Welcome to Sprints and Milestones, a podcast where Brett Harnett and Greg Story share war stories, tips, tactics, and anecdotes on navigating the sometimes rough waters of getting digital projects done. If you're leading projects and want some help and reassurance that you're doing the right things, you've downloaded the right podcast. Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by Team Gantt, a company I've been lucky enough to collaborate with for some time now. Team Gantt is an online project management platform that helps you to create intuitive and beautiful project plans. For more information and a free account, visit teamgantt.com. On with the show. Welcome back to Sprints and Milestones. As you recall, in the last episode, we talked about teaching and learning, a topic that's important to both Greg and I. I think we both agree that continuous learning is important in our industry, no matter what kind of role you have. And we also kind of agree that teaching is inspiring. We learn while you teach, which is awesome. This week, we want to talk about how PMs have to be laser focused. The excerpt from the principles in the book is called We Are Laser Focused. And here's what I wrote. We expect change on projects because we understand that business goals evolve and change, processes fail, stakeholders come and go, and new ideas arise. When asked to change, we use project goals as a basis for discussion on whether or not the change is acceptable. We wade through comments and feedback and analyze and discuss change to help guide our teams and clients to the best decisions given our focus on project goals. So I personally think this is a strength that many people perceive project managers as lacking. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, see PMs as box checkers or the people who just want the job done no matter what. And I see it as far more strategic. You have to do anything and everything as a PM that you can to align a team and clients around goals that so everyone makes good decisions. And I think included in that is, you know, setting expectations early and managing to them, sitting back and listening and understanding people's motivations toward those goals. And at the same time, fully understanding those goals so that you understand kind of what they encompass and how people might be approaching them. Well, if I can add to the strategy part is key because PMs have to play, you almost have to be a chess player, right? And kind of read the project and all the players and see what's going to happen a couple moves ahead, you know, to kind of be ready for contingencies and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Greg, your perspective here is is really interesting, you know, as a person who's producing work, which, you know, PMs often have to put themselves in other people's shoes, right? Because we're not the ones who are sitting down and, and pouring eight hours of a day into creating a deliverable that somebody could just poo-poo immediately, right? <laughs> right. I have to guess that's really difficult when it's working with clients. So I'm wondering, you know, your take on this, like, how do you create an environment that's conducive to alignment with clients and your team, particularly when people can be tricky or defensive? Oh, man. I think w- once you've been in the industry long enough and once you've worked in a couple projects, I think everyone uh, is sensitive to that a, a pivot of some kind is is going to happen. It's just a matter of when and what the severity is. you know, And so... I feel like uh, teams are always on the lookout of, you know, every time they go to deliver something, is this it? Is this a time that this project is, uh, you know, just going to fall apart or our relationships are going to fall apart? 
And, you know, as, as you go along and, and trust has been built up, um, I think that those, those fears start to subside. But if you've been around long enough, there's always just that, that little feeling inside that, that says, you know, whatever this week is going to be it, or this, uh, design review or this deployment, you know, whatever, whatever part of the project that you're in, there's, there's just always something nagging in your head that says, you know, projects is going to go to hell right now. Right. Well, here's a question for you. Is the pivot always a negative thing? You know, it, it doesn't have to be. I think the pivots are, are typically negative because of how they're handled, mm-hmm. right? So how they're perceived and how they're handled. So like, for instance, we had a significant project that required a tremendous amount of work Things were going pretty well in our discovery process, and when we went to go do some some UX work based off our research, and once we got into the actual like visual component of that work, the train just went off the rails, and it kept going off the rails. And you know, we would put work up and get on the phone and wait for the client to uh, join us and talk about it. And those first conversations were just it was painful. And it took me a bit longer than I'd like to admit to realize that the client who was insanely intelligent and who had built an amazing business by himself, I admire this guy even today and what he's accomplished, but he doesn't know how to talk about design. And he had the personality that didn't allow him to come forward and say, I don't know how to do this. You know, he was just that kind of alpha personality. He wasn't a jerk at all, but he would go into hiding. You know, he <laughs> would, we would go to <laughs> deliver design and then he didn't join us. And then, it, then I spent the next week, you know, trying to track him down. And this was happening a couple of times. And so I had a, I had a heart to heart with him as the guy kind of overseeing that work. And realized he just didn't have the vocabulary. And not only did he not have the vocabulary, he knew that he had a tendency to say things the wrong way. And he was really sensitive to not wanting to hurt the designer's feelings. And so, yeah, it's like very interesting. And so what we arranged to do is to meet in person. And we, we cleared an entire day. And we, the designers, did what we could to relate to what what he was trying to say. And that meant that we had some designs of other things in the room that he could point to as examples of what he thought was good or, you know, that he could, it was kind of a, a relational conversation to other designs, not just the one that we had that enabled us to kind of get through I'd say, you know, it's probably like a two-hour conversation, but it took more like four to five hours to get through that. Wow. But that was fine, you know. And so that was, you know, I'd say it was a slight pivot and just that we were not getting anywhere. You know, we were we were having disastrous design reviews. And then once we actually f- were able to, to connect with him and develop that common language around design, enough that we knew, okay, we got to change up how we've been designing things. And, you know, so it was a little bit more extra effort on our part, but from then on, the project was uh, pretty smooth sailing. Yeah. I think what you're getting at is so important. And it's something that I remind people all the time, like our job 
as project managers and designers is to educate people, Mm -hmm. right? If you go into one of those meetings and don't kind of explain to people what you're about to present, why you'll present it, how you've gotten to that point, and how their feedback can help the process and focus them in on how to provide feedback, you're doing yourself and the project a disservice and those people at the same time. I've been in really awesome design presentations where the designers have come to the table and before showing anything, very clearly presented or really represented the goals of the project in advance so that we could kind of like refocus people in the room to let them know like, hey, this is this is how we got to this point. Before you start looking at designs and complaining about colors and placement of things, remember the goals and what the users of the site want, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that just does such a good job of setting the expectation for what you're about to see and how we want you to provide feedback. The other thing that I've seen done really well, particularly with groups of, um, I'm thinking of a meeting that I had with a university where we were in an auditorium and there were at least 40 stakeholders in a room. That's kind of scary, right? Because feedback's going to be all over the place with that many people. And the way that it was managed was so good in that there was a a review, like a very thorough review of all of the work, and it was multiple design concepts, once over and then a second time over, and then a slide that had very specific questions to guide people to the right type of feedback, you know, about... Is this meeting specific goals? Is it aligned well enough with the brand? Like it was so great in that it just focused the room. And the feedback that we got was so much better than I expected from such a large group that it just became a practice with every following presentation. So I think that's all to say, like going in on the defensive is probably a a good thing to do, right? Absolutely. And that kind of goes back to your laser focus, right? Is is it laser focus is not just on the project manager, but it's also to keep people focused on what it is that they are doing at that time. Right. You know, stakeholders, project sponsors, basically anybody that is not doing the work has a lot going on. I've been in design reviews where everybody was on a laptop and, you know, just trying to respond to fires all over the company. And, you know, it took, we learned a lot of lessons on that project just because our partners were not focused. Therefore, we were not getting the feedback that we needed. Inevitably, you know, the the project uh, suffered from some delays. We had communication issues. Uh, Obviously, people are on their laptops in in an in-person design review. And all that led to uh, eroding trust, which meant that that project did not end on the greatest note. Yeah, definitely. I think... To me, that's all about setting the right expectations for how you operate on a project. Something that I tend to talk about a lot is, you know, when you're when you're starting a project, whether it be with a new team or people you've worked with in the past, it's important to just sit down and have a conversation that covers generally, like this is the scope that we're going to be working on. Like this is the type of project we're doing. These are the types of deliverables we're going to be creating together. Let's talk about how we communicate. And part of that is kind of what you're talking about, like people being on laptops in meetings. Like I've been in situations where I'm the jerk that makes the rule, like we're in meetings with no devices because I want everyone focused on the work in Mm -hmm. the meetings so that we're more productive. And just like getting that kind of 
detail on the table and out of the way early sets a good expectation and a working relationship for everyone. I think at the same time, it's important when you kick off a project as a project manager to, and you're you're working with a client or an internal stakeholder to sit down with that person and and basically have the same conversation, but it's in a different light. It's, It's not about setting rules for meetings. It's about, this is our level of engagement. This is what partnership means to me. This is the scope of work. I mean, how many times have you been in a situation where you get into a scope of work with a new client and it turns out they didn't actually review the contract, somebody in legal did, and you made several changes and it's not exactly what they wanted. And then there's scope problems. So like just sitting down and saying line by line, like these are the things you can expect to get from Mm -hmm. us. These are the goals for the project. Are we aligned? Are we going to be communicating with you in a way that will work for you? Like those kinds of things are basic, basic expectation setting. And it's not expectation in a scary way, because I think some people do see that as like, well, by setting an expectation, I'm telling you how you're going to do a thing. Yeah. No, it's it's not that, right? It's more of an agreement. Like, let's talk about the best way we can get this thing done together and documenting that and just generally, you know, checking in and managing those expectations through the course of a project just tends to make things go a little bit easier. You know, I've been to kickoff meetings where we did those types of activities, many of them with you. Mm-hmm. And usually, you know, on, on kickoff day, it's a bit like the first day of high school, right? People are generally there on time or a little early. There's a little bit of, you know, this weird, hey, we're going to be working with some new folks. And, you know, uh, there's some curiosity and, you know, who's who's here and, you know, who are you? Where do you come from? And, you know, I, I feel like when we go through those things, like here are the conditions that we need to succeed and, you know, talking through all that and there's a lot of heads nodding and whatnot. And then you go away and, and right. You're uh, for us, it would always be like, we're in the van going back to the airport and it's kind of like, how do you think that went? You know, <laughs> yeah. and inevitably it went well, you know, usually kickoffs go well. And, and those conversations about, you know, you, you kind of set the, the stage by saying, let's have a difficult discussion here and talk about meeting protocol and that type of thing. But like how many times in the middle of the project does all that just go away? Right. And all of a sudden, you know, half the projects on fire, you can't get people on the phone you know, you're getting weird emails from the client, you know, cats and dogs, you know, all the things going wrong. So I'm just kind of, I'm curious uh, in, in projects that we haven't worked on together, how have you managed to keep that intact, you know, to keep everyone focused on the work ahead and to, you know, keep everyone at, at least corralled, you know, in whatever work agreements you may have had, how, how do you get them to, to stay? Yeah, I mean, it's not easy, right? I mean, and these problems, like what you're explaining, they happen on practically every project, right? For me, it's a matter of managing the expectations and having kind of a setup on the project where you have explicit points to check in and make it obvious that you're aware of things that are happening. So doing a a weekly status report forces your hand at documenting everything that's happening on a project and things that could be going wrong on the project and having a conversation about it. Because the quicker you can 
identify an issue or even a risk, the earlier you'll be able to just solve it and squash it and move on. So I think it's very much about having a really strong communication plan in place where you're creating routines to check in with your team, check in with your clients, and be open and transparent about any things that you're seeing as being potential problems. So on that, that whole thing of you know things that you're seeing that are potential problems, are there any that kind of stand out to you? It's always people related. I mean, I think you nailed it when you when you talked about stakeholders. I mean, there's always somebody who's not going to show up to a meeting and then they're going to come back late with feedback that's going to just derail the process and extend the scope. So doing a little bit of that pre-work prior to jumping in even to a kickoff meeting where a, you know, a PM can get on the phone with maybe the client PM to just talk through who are your stakeholders, you know, what are their kind of roles in the project, when can we expect to have them involved, like breaking out, um, like learning as much as you can about the people on your project as well as the goals and their motivations can be really helpful. One of the ways that I've done that in the past is through a, a quick call with with a client PM, but also being a part of stakeholder interviews and contributing questions that get at what project success looks like, what their experience has been on similar types of projects, you know, digging into what potential challenges they see coming up. All of that really contributes to your point of view on how you can manage a project because it's so much about the people, especially when you're working in an environment where everything is so dependent on what a client approves or disapproves. You know, the more you can know about the people and their motivations and how they might react will help you to guide the team to tailor almost an experience, like a project experience that is dedicated solely on helping them to make the right decisions and helping you to present in a way that's going to going to work and please them. Right. So you and I, we've talked about managing expectations in the past, and we've had many conversations about that uh, when we were working together. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've seen uh, folks start to do is create work agreements, trying to set that environment, and to have, let's say, 10 tenets of how they agree to work with one another, how they're going to collaborate. It kind of sets the the conditions for engagement, right? Mm-hmm. And I employed that at IBM and some of the um, small projects that I would do with new designers. And that seemed to work pretty well. It was something that we could kind of point to. But you know, again, we, it was kind of one of those things we would create in the beginning and not necessarily circle back in you know, like a midpoint or you know, even uh, towards the end of the project, just to make sure, you know, are these still the same rules that we want to, uh, you know, use to work collectively as a team? You know, so not just designers and developers and project managers, but also stakeholders. I'm kind of curious about your experience around, you know, the, the similar document or, or set of rules. So I think of the pivot as something that happens more organically, not not necessarily something that's always documented. But one of the things I've encouraged project managers to do is, you know, warn a client at the beginning of the project, like, hey, we're going to do this for our process. And we might hit a point where maybe things are not working as well as we think. And that might inspire us to make a change in the way that we work together or the process that we're using for the project. And just being transparent about that and showing that your goal 
is to meet the project goals, but also to make the project experience easier for everyone can make such a huge difference because then they know that your intentions are always about getting the project done and getting the project done successfully, like not just getting it done, but succeeding. So I've been in situations where, you know, we would do like a, a kind of mini retrospective meeting in the middle of the project because somebody sensed that something just wasn't working right. Or mm. there was a comment that somebody made and, you know, let's sit down and talk about this. Like, what are the things that are working? What are the things that are not working? And how can we use that information to create a better path forward? So I'm a big fan of doing those kind of in progress post-mortem or retrospective meetings and also doing like a big one at the end, you know, it all comes back to learning, right? Like the, the more that you can reflect on your experiences that you're having in the moment or even within the past couple of weeks and figure out how you can tweak those behaviors to move on a better path forward, I think the better everyone will be. Yep. I, I, I have not done that myself, but I could see where that'd be very useful. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to take a ton, ton of time, right? Like the expectation should be, hey, we can we can get in a room for 30 minutes and talk through this and then come up with some decisions to start rolling out. But, you know, more importantly, it's it's about communicating those decisions to people who are not in the room, whether that be clients or other team members. Solid communications is always something that you've you've got to kind of fall back on. Solid communications helps you be laser focused. That is so true. So I think there's a lot more that we could talk about when it comes to getting to know your projects and setting and managing and expectations. But those are both topics in the book. So chapter four is getting to know your projects, where I talk a lot about research and stakeholder interviews, getting to know the players on the team and on the client team, and how that all can help you to essentially suss out like what the red flags are going to be, what the issues are going to be. And chapter nine is all about setting and managing expectations. And there are tons of tips and tactics in there to check out. So check those out and we'll see you on the next episode where we're going to talk about how project managers should always be honest. Thanks. Bye. You sprinted to the end of this episode. Milestone complete. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for more resources on digital project management, check out Project Management for Humans by Brett Harned, which is available on Amazon.com or through Rosenfeld Media. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and check out our show notes and more at SprintsAndMilestones.com.